1: My guest is country artist Ned Ledoux, who for the sixth year in a row will be performing a free concert in the Vale Pavilion at Silverton this Thursday and Friday, December 1st and 2nd at 9 p.m. For more information, go to SilvertonCasino.com. And for everything about Ned Ledoux and his current single, Open Road, number 34 on the Music Road Chart, and his new album, Buckskin, go to NedLedoux.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And Ned, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Same here. First question out of the shoot. Notice I used the word "shoot." I like that. because Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were raised on a ranch. I've never lived on a ranch, nor have I lived even in a ranch-style home. So, I'm, I'm coming from the urban. But on the other hand, I'm old country because I love Buck Owens, Johnny Cash, and all those mm-hmm. guys. Porter Wagner. Sure. But we'll get into that. Right now, I want to talk a little bit about your dad, Chris. Since that's really the beginning of your story, so tell us a little bit about your father and growing up in that environment.
0: Oh man, it's, it's kind of one of those. What What do you want to know? You know <laughs> well, like, <laughs> obviously, like, where
1: do I even start? Obviously, he influenced you. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, he was a big influence on me. You know, musically. You know, of course, I remember when I was just a little kid, and way before the success came for his music, uh, he was playing in a bus barn behind the high school. In my hometown Casey Wyoming and like I said I was just a little kid and it seemed to sound pretty good I remember it was loud and there's a lot of people there and but I remember maybe a couple two or three years later I would go on the road with them the whole family would and the drummer that he had at the time would let me get up and and play his drums during you know once when, when they got done doing sound check you know and and I was just bitten by the beat right away so I started off playing drums when I was probably six years old and continue to do that for the next i don't know 34 35 years but yeah musically my dad was a big influence on me but as far as everything else my mom and dad together you know they were the ones who taught me the you know value of hard work live by the golden rule the best that you can and uh and that's you know if you can just do that you know you'll be in a pretty good spot
1: so you can take the boy out of the ranch but not the ranch out of the boy
0: yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, I don't really do much of that anymore. We live in northeast Kansas, where there's a lot of farm ground. Well, I was thinking, I was
1: thinking that more of the values than anything else, not necessarily the physicality or the geography yeah. of of the place, but more of the values that you you received and you grew up in, and I think that helps form you as a man today.
0: Yeah, I try to pass those values on to my own kids, you know. And, I hope they'll pick up on it
1: eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you said bitten by the beat. So clearly, once you started down that road, you knew what you wanted to do. How long before you considered yourself not a success, but on the right path? In other words, there's roads you can take to get to where you are today. But how old were you and what was it that caused you to realize, okay, this is it. This is where I'm. I'm taking the right road.
0: I'm not really sure when that aha moment was you know i guess as they'd say but i guess maybe when i got my first set of drums and and i was just a kid six or seven years old and i think maybe when i kind of got it figured out you know to where i could play along with a you know like a van halen song or something like that you know like hey i'm playing along with alex van halen and then then i got in my first band when i was maybe 13 or 14 and uh and I don't know what it was. It's like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to try to do this. And I've been pretty fortunate. You know, a lot of hard work, you know, went into that. You know, I got my 10,000 hours in, you know, a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, a great ride.
1: They do talk about that 10,000 hours, whether it's as a singer, musician, or comedian, you've got to get that 10,000 hours in, either in the studio or on stage or both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've I never like, set the clock or anything like that. but but I do remember when I was in probably grade school, I was in band, like grade school pet band or something like that. And there was like, the teacher had these practice slips. So you had to practice. It was like four hours a week, at least whatever instrument you're playing, you know, whether it's saxophone, clarinet, whatever. And I would get my four, four hours in one day, you know, I'd, Come in on a Monday, I'd get that practice slip, Tuesday morning, come along, okay, here's my four hours, but I'm gonna go play another four hours tonight and tomorrow night and every single day, you know. I just couldn't get enough of it.
1: You clearly were a man with a mission. So when did singing come in?
0: Um, maybe not long after dad passed away, I guess, is pro- is the first time I ever got in front of anybody and sang. Uh, but before that, it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even something I thought about doing, you know, but I guess when dad passed away in 05, it's hard to believe it's been 17 and a half years ago or something like that. Um, But I joined up with a different band. It was Dustin Evans and the Good Times Band. And they're based out of South Dakota. And I was really good friends with them. They'd opened up for dad a bunch of times. And and, uh, anyway, Dustin called me up shortly after dad passed away. I said, man, we'd love to have you come play drums for us. The job's yours if you want it. I said, well, when's the next gig? I'll be there. (laughs) So uh, because I just needed to I needed to get out and play. It's like always been like a therapy for me, you know, just to play music. And so my first gig with him was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And sorry I'm making this kind of a long story, but No, that's fine. But I remember getting done with the gig and we were hanging out in this cheap motel room afterwards and just talking and whatever And, and Dustin had his acoustic out and was playing a few old songs. And then he got up to go get a beer or something and and said and he handed me the guitar. And said, Here, Ned, why don't you sing one of your dad's songs? And I just held the guitar, and said Dustin, I don't sing. You know, I mean I know the words to a lot of the songs, but I don't I don't sing. And I had just kind of started playing the acoustic, but I didn't know any songs. And so he sat down with the guitar and said, Well, do you know 10 seconds in the saddle? I said, Yeah, I know the words to it, but Dustin, I don't sing. <laughs> but I don't know what it was. I guess when I was driving home after that weekend's gig. Um, I was just thinking how how fun that would be to be able to learn like four or five songs, and to where if I'm sitting in a cheap motel room or around a campfire, or just sit on my front porch and just sing sing to the birds. You know, it was something I had never tried before, and and once I got into it, it was just kind of like you know playing the drums. At first, it was just kind of a hobby. It's like, hey, there's something else I know how to do or or learning to do, and then eventually. I just couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I was, you know, I'd learn a song and I'd write it down and I'd say, okay, what else can I learn? And I'd learn that one. And for some reason, I never bothered learning anybody else's songs except for dad's. I don't know why. I just, I just wanted to learn his songs. And so from that point on, I just kept learning songs and sitting in the, in the living room or in the basement or out on the front porch and singing songs to my, to my little boy. And that's, where it kind of got started
1: so mac Macanelli comes into the picture at some point right
0: yeah he came in uh shoot it's probably been 2000 oh shoot i don't even know it's probably about seven eight years ago or something like that and uh and he helped me out with the songwriting and uh another story i'll try to make short but no take your time it's
1: fine we're having a conversation okay. i i enjoy hearing it and our listeners okay. would
0: Well, uh, my mom found this box, like this cardboard box full of paperwork and she got to thumbing through it and there were actually song ideas or little notes that dad had written down years ago. And, uh, instead of just putting them back in the attic or in the office or something like that, she thought, well, maybe I can do something with this or somebody, somebody in dad's management could do something with it. And so she made copies of about a dozen of these ideas and sent them to dad's manager and just said, Hey, you know. If you know a songwriter that can maybe try to finish one of these or whatever. Uh, well, it was Mark Sissel who works at Dad's management. So he got to looking through them, too. And then he sent them to me and said, well, hey, Ned, why don't you try to finish one of these songs? You know, It'd be like a brand new Chris LeDoux song co-written with the son. And I was like, well, Mark, I've never written a song before. <laughs> you know, Just like you
1: know never sang before. Now you've never written a song before.
0: Yeah. It's like, geez. I just wanted to play drums. You know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I was, I was looking through these ideas, and and they had some really good starts to them. And it was like a little bit of a verse, start to a chorus, and then just like little notes, like down at the bottom of the page. And uh, so I got to kind of working with them a little bit, and then I'd put them aside, go out and play drums or whatever. And then that's when Mac McAnally got a hold of me. And he had produced the last three albums that dad put out and uh just a little thing about mac mac now he's 10 times cma musician of the year uh, he's been songwriter of the year he's in the hall of fame for you name it whatever and so so he invited me to his place and said hey man i've, I've been working on a couple of these ideas of your dad's as well i mean why don't we get together and we try to finish one and we just happen to be working on the same idea this one about a rusty pickup truck full of post and barbed wire. There's money. There's firewood and the stack. I guess money's all we lack. And that was the idea that dad had. And so then me and Mac sat down together and we finished it. And it's called We Ain't Got It All. And so from that point on, after that hour, hour and a half of hanging out with Mac, it just like a light went on with songwriting. Cause I used to write poetry, you know, years ago. And I got back home. And I was like, well, maybe there's something I'd written you know, from years back that I could turn into a song. And a lot of that stuff that I'd written back in my 20s didn't make any sense at all. <laughs>
1: I never <Like> does.
0: <laughs> what, what, what was even going through my head back then, you know? but well, there's, there's one idea about uh, the highway's been like a brother. and And so that song turned into being Brother Highway. And that was, I guess, kind of like the first song that I wrote by myself, you know? And then from that point on, you know, like Forever a Cowboy, uh, Some People Do, The Hawk, Never Change. All these songs just started coming to me, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I owe Mac McAnally a, a lot. hes I, I don't know if I'd be sitting here talking with you if it wasn't for his help.
1: That's a great story and a great salute to him. I couldn't help but notice there's a little bit of noise occasionally when you talk. And I, I thought at first maybe somebody's shoveling coal or the water heater's yeah. acting up, but what is it? You can tell us.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sitting in the garage here at the house, and I was gonna do this outside because it's been really nice, you know, the last few days, but the wind's howling like crazy, and so it's it's shaking the garage door right
1: now. So I, to, yeah. I love the authenticity. That's great. <laughs> you may you mentioned your twenties, and I know that there's a little bit of rock and roll in your influence there. So is that about the time that that you picked that up or is it earlier or later or throughout that whole period?
0: Uh, listening to rock and roll.
1: Yeah, listening to rock and roll because some people say that, that that's part of your mix of country is a little bit of rock and roll influence.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big time heavy metal rock and roll 90s alternative grunge stuff. Guy uh, and I'm
1: looking at you, and you have a cowboy hat on and a cowboy shirt, and you're discussing yeah. heavy metal. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I, I was in this. It's kind of a side project band for about a year. Uh, I lived in Nashville for maybe two two and a half years. But the name of this band is called Lucky Black, and we were we were kind of like a Black Crows, Tom Petty type of band. You know, not really Southern rock or anything. It was just just a good rock band. And uh we played, I think, three or four shows with uh, Willie Nelson. Uh, we did a tour with a group called Cowboy Mouth. And uh but yeah, I mean, I've always been a rocker. But I mean, I I grew up wearing the hat. You know, this is a uh, this is just who I am. But but I love rock and roll too.
1: <laughs> Lucky Black to Western Underground. Yeah, nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we were talking about your dad going further back. In time, were you influenced by, because I referenced it earlier on about old country, and I'm a big fan of old country and, and new country. Were you influenced by any particular musicians or singers from the old country period? When I say old country, going far back, Porter Wagner, Buck Owens is not that far back, but Buck Owens and Johnny Cash and those performers.
0: Well, Charlie Daniels would be a big influence for me. And my dad was a huge fan of his as well. And they actually got to be really good buddies because uh, uh, Charlie and Hazel Daniels lived right down the road from my grandparents, my, my, my dad's folks in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. So, yeah, Charlie Daniels, was a big influence on me. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, rock and roll, you know, when I got in, my, my older brother, Clay, he introduced me to rock and roll. And in those days, I was never listening to the lyrics because I was just getting in a, playing drums and i was like a sponge i was just soaking up all these different beats and what these guys were doing and trying to figure all this stuff out so my big influences back then were drummers so it was guys like alex van halen tommy lee uh charlie daniels drummer at the time jack gavin and then of course my dad's drummer who would come along later into the early 90s kw turnbow but uh, so yeah in my early days you know listening to music when i learned who these guys were that were in these bands the names of them and all that stuff it was it was all drummers yeah
1: once again bitten by the beat
0: yeah absolutely yeah i had i think i had a a subscription or whatever to modern drummer magazine and they'd usually come with a poster inside of them so i had this the the drum room was the storage room you know down in the basement of the the old house so i had these posters of all my favorite drummers up there And uh, it's like, that was kind of like my audience. You know, I'd I'd be playing along to the Motley Crue song or something. Like, what do you think, Tommy?
1: (laughs) That's a great audience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're quiet but approving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. You're inspired by the posters of people who you respect and you're drumming right in the middle of it all. That's great. I want to get to your album and your single in a second, but I want to go back to your dad for a second. When you decided to strike out on your own and you've been successful, What's been the reaction, I'm sure I could guess, but what's been the reaction by your mother and your grandparents and the extended family to the fact that you're carrying on in a certain tradition?
0: Uh, my mom, she always says that she's proud of me. And that means the world to me. I mean, if, if we played a show someplace, I don't know where, uh, and nobody showed up, but my mom did, That would that's all that ma- would matter to me, you know? My mom just means so much to me and uh you know she's she's really uh probably a big reason why I kind of got into music as well because she she found a drum teacher once I they could tell that I was really wanting to get into learning how to play the drums um they found a drum teacher in Casper, Wyoming which is round trip from the ranch is about 130 maybe 140 miles And my mom would drive me into Casper every Saturday for about a year and a half, depending on the real conditions in the wintertime. But yeah, for about a 30 minute, maybe 45 minute lesson. But yeah, my mom, she's, uh, she always says that she's proud of me and I'm, and she's usually the first one to get like the new album. You know, I don't give it to anybody else. I'll send one to her first. Well, here you go. You get number (laughs) one of of a thousand, whatever. Uh, but it seems to me
1: she's in a unique position to, see you both as the son carrying on the father's legacy, but the son also as an independent country artist. So she could see both sides.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we have a deal that we've been doing for uh, quite a few years now. I can't remember exactly when we started it, but it's called Chris Ledoux Days. And uh, we have it in Casey, Wyoming. It's it's a kind of a street dance. And, and it's something that That my mom, you know, got started and there's a a guy in Buffalo, Wyoming, his name's Mike Thomas. He's a sculptor and he's, in my opinion, probably the the greatest bronze sculptor in the, I'd say the world. In my opinion, he's just a great Western uh, Western, uh, sculptor. And so he made this life size and a half sculpture of dad that's in uh, downtown KC, Wyoming. And uh so yeah, every year Father's Day weekend we have Dew days and we've had guys like Cody Johnson, Aaron Watson, Corb Lund, uh, Mickey and the Motor Cars, and and of course Western Underground we we started that whole thing off as being, you know, kind of the staple band for the first bunch of years and and now I've kind of taken things over now it's, uh me along with uh some uh very special invited guests. But Nice. Uh, but yeah, my my mom, she uh she's She's a go-getter. I mean, the, I don't know what she's going to come up with next, but i am excited.
1: <laughs> she's she's going to surprise you with your own statue by that yeah. same sculptor. <laughs> she deserves one. <laughs> Buckskin, your album, consists of all kinds of interesting songs. I listened to it the other day. How do you design an album? Maybe that's not the word design. How do you think of a concept for an album or individual songs, that might be the better question. So, I'm getting a little tongue-tied. Anyway, how do you come up with the idea for the album, and then is it more of a concept for the whole album or individual songs? Um, There might be, say,
0: two or three that mix well together, Uh, but then the others are just, I don't know where they came from sort of ideas. And I wrote most of this stuff during the pandemic in 2020 because things got shut down in the first part of march and we didn't know what was going to happen they're like oh maybe two weeks we can get back on the road hey, a month goes by two months go by and so i'd be i played the role of the, of the grocery getter so like every <laughs> every week week and a half i'd run into town and, and get some groceries and come back and it's like geez you know i'm missing the band and the fans and just being on the road and and I had this idea. I just started kind of singing to myself in the truck, saying, Man, put me back on the highway out on the open road. I can't stand to stay in the same place. I got to get up and go. And I'm like, well, that might be a start to a song. <laughs> and so it's just funny how, you know, ideas just show themselves in the oddest places, you know, driving or, you know, working in the garage where I am right now. And, but for me, songwriting, Yeah, there's
1: there's a wind again. I hear it. it. Yeah. I love
0: it. That's great. Uh, But, but yeah, with songwriting for me, you know, I might be, you know, outside working, you know, running the chainsaw or splitting wood or something like that. and, And an idea will show itself. And so I'll put everything down for a minute and I'll write it down or type it in my phone. But then I'll start the chainsaw back up and get back to what I was doing. Yeah, make Finish sure you turn that off.
1: chainsaw off before you start writing things down because there might be a slight yeah. mishap. Yeah. Otherwise,
0: <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like I said, you know, there's there's probably two or three songs, maybe four songs on this new album that you know you could play them back to back to back, you know, and they all would fit very well together. But there's a song on here called "Hey Hey," which I think it was kind of a Buddy Holly influenced. Song that I wrote because during the pandemic, I was listening to all kinds of stuff. You know, I'd, I'd listen to some 90s grunge for a while, and then I'd get into heavy metal. And then there's like a week and a half or two weeks where I'd listen to a lot of Chuck Berry and some Buddy Holly. And then there was just one evening I was down in my basement playing guitar, and I had this kind of a Buddy Holly groove in a way. I didn't mean for it to be like that. And then I started writing some lyrics. And lyrically, it's, it's very simple. I mean, it's not complicated at all. (laughs) Um, nor should it be. No. And, and a lot of the stuff in those early, early days, you know, whether it was rock and roll or country, it just, it's kind of like less is more. And so that's kind of what I was aiming for. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, a variety of stuff. There's ranching songs, a couple of rodeo songs, just some fun songs, traveling songs, just a pretty good stew of, that uh, kind of represents me, I guess.
1: Well, you mentioned Hey Hey, and I would think for a country song, it should be H A Y, H A Y.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it was about that, I suppose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned about working around the place and thoughts come to you, ideas come to you. And you're absolutely right. You have to write it down right then because if you trust yourself to remember it, it never happens because life distracts you. Something happens and you just, you then you can't remember it. Or, you're about to go to sleep, an idea comes, and you say, oh, I'll remember it in the morning. And of course, you don't remember it in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great habit to get into that I always recommend to people, and you are obviously do it all the time, is if you come up with an idea, if you're a creative person, and you come up with a fragment or an idea or a concept, write it down. You can always get to it later and expand, but at least you've got it down.
0: Yeah. And I was listening to an interview with Paul McCartney, and back in you know their day, early, early days, 60s. They didn't have like the little tape recorders, or I guess, you know. So if they came up with a melody or, you know, lyrics, of course they could write the lyrics down, I suppose, but they had to remember that. So when they went into the the studio to record it, like, okay, remember the five songs we wrote yesterday? Uh, you, like they had to remember it, you know, just mentally. They didn't have anything that, you know, just, you know, little tape recorder, I guess. But, but yeah, you got to, you got to write it down. I got tablets and, boxes full of a bunch of nonsense you know but <laughs> it's like when you're when you dive into songwriting you need to kind of filter a lot of stuff out before you you know hit that vein
1: absolutely and right
0: I, yeah you have to you trying, have
1: to write it get it all out and then you can edit and rewrite but initially you've got to just get it all out
0: yeah and I was talking to Mack Macanally about songwriting and he he kind of described it uh, and this was quite a few years ago he said it's it's kind of like water he said now he said with you Ned you know your first album you know i think i was 38 when i released sagebrush he said you know, you've you had like 38 years of all these ideas and life that you've lived you know that you can reach back and get ideas from experiences and he said but uh and so it's going to be like water it's going to be flowing like crazy and all this stuff's going to happen he said but the tricky thing is is that second album he said, so, <laughs> you might have to drill someplace else <laughs> he said unless unless you got more inspiration you know from you know that's left over from the the first album but uh and he was right that, that second album it was it was much harder it was like man I, I thought i could do this you know but uh it just makes you i think it makes for a you know a better songwriter you know kind of ma- mature and you know just kind of dig deep inside yourself and see see what's in there
1: A very wise man he is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I let you go, looking ahead next five years, not beyond that, but just next five years, are there things you want to do that you haven't done in the field? In other words, you could always put out more albums. You obviously have the creative juices for that, but is there something else that you are looking at doing in the next five years, either within your career or outside of your career, something that you haven't thought you could do yet, but now you're in a position to do so? Man,
0: I I hope there's longevity in it, you know? Uh, well, I think
1: there is, but I, the reason I focused on five years instead of 20 or 25 years, I thought there may be something in your mind that you wanted to do or accomplish once you reached a certain level. And then obviously, you're going to have a long career, but just something that you might want to try, whether it's acting or whether it's writing a book, et cetera.
0: Uh, a book would be kind of cool, I think. Cause yeah, me and you know the guys in the band and the crew, we've all been together. You know, I mean it's it's kind of like remnants of Western Underground. You know, there's Mark Sissel, K.W. Turnbow, and uh, myself. You know, played with my dad, and then the sound guy Mike Browning. Him and I started off at the same time in '98 with dad. And then uh, you know when dad passed away, uh, Lane Turner came in, and then uh, David Crash, our steel player. And of course, my little brother will he's been the merch guy since he was about 10 years old <laughs> and he's he's been out there with us ever since but i don't know just we, we sit around you know either on the tour bus or a van or you know waiting on a plane somewhere and we'll just start talking about the old days like oh remember when k-dub did that one thing and, and then he'd come up and say, "Well, how am i supposed to remember that you know? <laughs> it, it, it was just if we just kind of i think as a group we could write A pretty good book with the stories that we have and i'm sure every band out there could do the same you just sit around a round table or something and once one guy starts talking about this one thing that happened five years ago then another guy oh and yeah there's this one time remember you know maybe a book would be kind of fun but but as far as like the music goes i mean i i'm enjoying exactly where we are right now you know we've had a, a great 22 and um just hope for another great year in 23.
1: Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been country artist Ned Ledoux, who for the sixth year in a row will be performing a free concert in the Vale Pavilion at Silverton this Thursday and Friday, December 1st and 2nd at 9 p.m. For more information, go to silvertoncasino.com. And for everything about Ned Ledoux and his current single, number 34 on the Music Row Chart and his new album, Buckskin. And I should mention, the single is called Open Road, and his album is called Buckskin. You can go to nedledew.com and follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And Ned, thanks for being on the show.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week,
1: Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world.